0: Welcome to Tech Breakfast, today's top headlines served hot by your host Aaron Buley and Tyler Gates. So grab your coffee, and let's get into it.
1: Joining us on the show today is David Ersohn. Welcome, David. How you doing, buddy? I'm doing well. How about yourself? Awesome. Doing great.
0: You're good, man. And you your
1: coffee. You ready for this? Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And uh, Tyler has officially joined as the permanent co-host i am pumped about that that he has time in his schedule which is which is fantastic uh today is monday april 27th and i'm actually pretty excited about this week we've got a number of exciting guests coming on Uh, but what tech headlines are you guys looking at today
2: so um you know after listening to one of your podcasts last week i thought i'd bring up uh something about facebook again so um Recently, you know, in light of everything going on, we see a lot of uh, quizzes out there that people post. You know, share ten things about yourself or ten things about your family, right? And and what I don't think they realize is that's actually data mining. Um, so you know, share how many siblings do you have? Where were you born? Right? Um, you know, what's your favorite color? How many pets do you have? What's your pets' names? Right? So it's quite interesting. Uh, you see a lot of this going on, and, and it seems very innocent, um, but it really has a, a deeper meaning uh, to a lot of these companies that are pulling and storing our data and mining us,
0: right? Yeah, that's, that's a good point. Man, I, it reminds me of something else I saw, and I didn't uh, mark it down, so I can't remember exactly what it was, but it, it, there was a leak, a substantial leak, and it didn't include passwords. Um, so it's not like people are just going to log straight in, but they basically said that the, uh, a lot of user information leaked out. And I want to say it was from Facebook, but watch that be a misquote. Really you're muted. Um, but, uh, it was, it just said, you know, like full name, birth date, stuff like that, number of family members. And it was all, it, they said it was a, a phishing target. So you fill out stuff like that. There's a, you're volunteering a lot of, uh, information that's probably more sensitive than you think it is.
1: Yeah, there was 160,000 Nintendo Switch accounts that got hacked yeah, that, last week. Yeah, that too. And yeah. there's still yeah. more.
0: Apparently, that has not. Uh, they have not short that up yet. So apparently, oh, my Nintendo goodness. accounts are still having a problem. I saw that this morning too. Yeah, um, that yeah, that thing was to bring did, up. Both of those.
1: Been. Yeah, big time. That's that's be crazy. aware. Be aware of what you post on the internet. And this coming from somebody who pretty much posts everything. <laughs> so, <laughs> uh, but it's mostly just the video shame. Of the shame. Me uh rambling about random stuff anyway all right uh other things in the headlines i saw apple push back production of the iphone and mm-hmm. it looks like the launch delay is going to uh be affected this year or they may they actually still launch it quote unquote but uh the production numbers might be minimized right usually they have a september release every year um you know expecting the iphone 12 this year uh, but obviously with uh you know weakened demand and manufacturing getting disrupted by the coronavirus issues it looks like the iphone's going to be delayed uh tyler That's i know you crazy. don't care at all about it. <laughs> <laughs> hey actually <laughs> but being... i
0: track it though i i like to i like to see that stuff in fact uh, one of the things kind of related to that that i found really interesting and was going to throw out even though it's not exactly a headline um if you're if you're watching like iphone reviews rolling out right now there there are Consistency in the titles from all of sort of like the major tech review sites, right? And um, this release has read more like just a distributed marketing campaign, I think, than any other one. Because every single site almost, without exception, has said cheapest iPhone ever. Somewhere in their stack, you know, review of this stuff. And it's like, all right, fair enough. You're talking about an iPhone, but it's still like a $700 device. And so this You're idea the of a, SE, right? yeah yeah it, yeah and I don't follow close enough to know exactly which one, but I think it is the SE. But the, the point is, it's like it's a seven hundred dollar phone. Associating that with cheap is absurd. Well, well, maybe it wasn't the the four hundred dollar one then, but uh, or or maybe it is. Maybe it's still it's it's interesting to me that somehow phones came around to even four hundred dollars being considered cheap. Um, yeah, it's just it's any it, that's why it read like a marketing campaign I mean, it's like here's your here's your memo on how to title the article about reviewing this phone make sure cheap is in the title right
1: yeah yeah they so they they launched the SE um which is uh, you know just it's a little bit scaled back than the than the pro sure. uh, max 11 um and has a lot of great specs and it's was only that, 400 bucks yeah to your point it's pretty funny uh, what pro max 11, the 11 you did make the that 11 up? 11 Max Pro, 11 Pro Max. I don't know which which order it goes in. Whatever. That's awesome. Yeah. No, I didn't make that up. <laughs> <laughs> that's awesome. But but to your point, yeah. I mean, 400 bucks, and then I mean, how, what what's the iPhone 12 gonna cost? 1200 bucks? Yeah, be a stimulus check, right? So <laughs> those y'all that that got it, hold on to it, and uh, you can spend it, or you could uh, you could get a nice, nice laptop or whatever. Anyway. Nice. All right. Yeah, that's. Uh,
0: anyways, I I thought that was interesting, and the other one too, because I it totally dovetails off that, right? There's an article. Uh, so apparently, in India, Vivo overtook Samsung sales. So iPhones, I don't think, have ever really been topping the charts over there. But um, I wasn't familiar with Vivo, but they outsold Samsung in their market, which is a, I mean, I can imagine a huge undertaking, especially because of the budget end of the, you know, the Samsung spectrum, and especially just Android space in general. Um, But I think it it plays right into that. Like the idea that we as Americans especially have of what is inexpensive when it comes to a smartphone is relative to $1,200 flagship devices that are more powerful than Russ's laptop. And the rest of the world is is looking at and adopting something that's probably wildly in a different part of the spectrum. And no doubt Vivo has options, uh, you know, higher end, lower end, I'm sure. But my guess is that the lower end of that spectrum is legitimately a uh, bargain, if you will. Yeah. yeah. Apple,
2: Apple's done a really good job of pushing that market upwards from a cost perspective. Mm-hmm. And, and I'm actually okay with them if they don't release a phone this year. I think we've got into this mad uh, cycle, if you will, of having to have new devices every year or so. And um, I think, you know, if we slow down technology a little bit, we could, we could improve in other areas from a software perspective alone. Uh, not have to have this rat race,
0: if you will, of buying new hardware every year. Um, I think it's even more than that, right? Like yeah. one, one big thing for, where it was somewhere in Europe, maybe it was all of Europe, maybe it was actually the European Union did it, but there's a push now for repairability, right? Because I, I think that's one of the biggest losses that we had as this rat race to sort of ultra premium phones came together is uh, you, you can't pop the things open and repair devices. So I, I have a, bad habit of keeping old devices laying around and I'll pull them out once in a while and try to re-image them and do something goofy with them and, and like 9 out of 10 just don't work anymore and it's not just batteries which is annoying right like not being able to pry it open put in a new battery and I think is absurd for something like this but um, main boards die you know, various other components will just die out and it, it's again it's a $1,200 device that two years later you're, you're eager to displace but three years after that it might not work at all which is garbage so i'd like to see that <laughs> stuff change too is it is that because apple's code uh forced it oh, to slow God. down that's even worse <laughs> you remember <right>? that <laughs> so then they're going slap on the wrist for <laughs> talk right, about got, uh, one
1: more intentional depreciation cycles right uh, yeah well and speaking of slap on the wrist y'all remember gdpr general yeah. data protection regulation eu yeah. so uh it was seen as a pretty forward-thinking um you know global uh you know bar to set, right, to to protect users and their their data and privacy and all that kind of stuff. Uh, Well, (laughs) right now, how how it's sitting, um, it's not looking like it's going too well, because basically, the ability for uh, resources to investigate tech firms or to pursue um, punishments and fines and all that kind of stuff, there's apparently only like a handful of people that can dig into this stuff. Uh, So it's not even really seeming to happen is what it looks like right now. Mm. There's a bunch of headlines on that this morning. So um, one of them says uh, interviews and documents show Europe's GDPR rules have been stymied by a lack of enforcement or funding, limited staff resources, and tech companies stalling. And remember, we're two years into this now.
0: That's really interesting. I think that's one of those unintended consequences, right? You, you put something together and you have all the best intentions in mind, but the uh, collateral can either be impossible to enforce or, enforce, or there are just un- unseen consequences that start to come out because of it. That's interesting.
2: Well, and One of the things that I wanted to talk about today was actually the, the COVID-19 tracking apps, right? And, and this kind of rolls right into that and our privacy. And that's one of my biggest fears with something like this tracking app is what are they really doing with the data? Um, you know, we we've seen some of these big tech companies have not been very trustworthy with it. Um, you know, whether they've been mining it themselves and trying to personalize stuff for you, uh, they get hacked, right. And this data gets leaked. I mean, it's, it just kind of rolls right into that, um, which is really kind of scary. Um, that we don't have better privacy laws around our data in, in governance on that.
0: Yeah, I, I had a, the same thought. I was looking at something, and, you know, Australia um, had apparently some pretty rapid adoption of their COVID-19 tracking app, and it's a voluntary application, but the uh, prime minister, right, Scott Morrison, basically said it, the data stays in Australia. It's only going to be available to health workers, right, which is which is a promise, but we know there are a lot of layers that could result in that stuff leaking out or being sold later. Right. Because if it's not a law, it's really, there's no hook. Right. Um, but, but then on top of that, he's basically saying the more people adopt this, the more likely we, we relieve social uh, restrictions. And so there's this carrot hanging out there, but there's, there's tons of risk in the privacy space, I think. So I'm with you on that one. It it doesn't sit well.
1: Yeah. <laughs> 5% of Australians downloaded that app within the first couple of hours of it being That's open. Wild. They had 1.1 1. 1 million people download that app. <laughs> Talk about being able to scale and uh, provide, provide the bits fast enough. Ooh. Yeah.
2: Well, um, but yeah, it's talking uh, Australia. I'll go ahead and mention the, uh, the other topic I was reading about, which is the, uh, the drone technology. And, and I'm sure this is a little near and dear to your heart, Aaron. Um, Where they're actually using the drones, uh, and it's an Australian company developing this technology to check your temperature, you know, so they're going to be flying drones around, seeing if you're coughing, right, they can identify your hand going up to your face. And (laughs) it's... uh, (laughs) That's,
1: that's absolutely crazy we've got a, we've got like, a that's,
0: that's straight <laughs> out of like a you know a futuristic dystopian society you know where you've got the little drones hunting people down and looking for for signs or you know oh my gosh like that's nuts i, I don't it's so cool at the same time but wow
1: yeah it feels wow. like on the verge of minority report yes, type of, yes. really uh, yeah. goodness yeah
0: Yeah, and I think there's going to be a ton of that too, right? I I read one really cool thing um, from an AI news source, and it was just saying that um, that they're developing some um, artificial intelligence sort of chat apps, basically bots that are designed to help um, identify uh, symptoms early. So just getting to getting better or closer to a, a confirmed case without having to actually get in front of a someone else. So they're looking at respiratory patterns and sound of voice and stuff like that. Something that's not as easy for a human to do. That stuff is so, so, so cool. But where does it stop, right? Like you hop on a Zoom session, you didn't check the box and all of a sudden that recording's going up to a cloud service or shoot Google uh, uh, and Amazon and their their home devices, right? And it's just like, oh, he's got the respiratory sound of COVID. Send in the SWAT, right? <laughs> It's uh, it's interesting. It could go, funky places.
1: Oh man, what else you got?
0: So I've
2: got a little uh, off the wall one. Um, okay. Yesterday we we received uh, what's called a fee collar or fi. I don't know how you say it, but uh, it's fi. It is actually a GPS uh, LTE enabled uh, dog collar, and uh, the, the reasoning we got this. They
0: have human versions yet.
2: I was right.
1: gonna say, this <laughs> Tyler and I were both like, "Can I track my kids with this?"
2: <laughs> you know, you can buy them in sizes, so I guess you can get a small enough one and put it around their ankle. <laughs>
1: <laughs> That's too um, easy to get off.
2: Oh man, <laughs> but, uh, all right, good. But it's really interesting. Now, the reason I chose the one that I did was uh, really for battery life. Um, I have a runner. Um, you know, when we put an off it. Out in Salina, and it's we got in- a runner. <laughs> he got out, and it had freedom for four hours uh, as I was chasing him like an idiot. So <laughs> no more. That's awesome. Um, so it was quite inter- interesting because today was the first day that I used it at the dog park this morning, and uh, we were there for thirty minutes, and he had over ten thousand steps registered. Right, it, it really alerts you when you leave the home area. Um, it's just really interesting, the technology that we're, we're introducing even to something as simple as a dog collar, uh, but how much information it provides is, is fantastic.
0: That's cool. That's very cool.
2: That's
1: awesome. Hey, you got another one. I'm curious what y'all think about this. Um, so this is coding related. Uh, there's a startup, uh, an Israeli startup called Codata, and it provides an AI tool to help developers uh, basically autocomplete strings of code. And they're claiming a boost of about twenty five percent in productivity. So obviously, I mean, I don't know if y'all if y'all use Gmail. Likely you do. Um, but uh, as, as you're writing in Gmail, it'll suggest things, and you can just hit tab. It'll finish the sentence if the sentence looks good. But whenever you're writing code, it makes me think, man, is this is this part of uh, is this part of Skynet? Right? Coming active? I think you mean this soon. No, but not yet. But uh, getting the right syntax. <laughs> right getting the right syntax is an issue yeah. uh spelling things correctly can be an issue but they picked up 12 million in funding in series a what do you think That's,
0: i think it's awesome um I, I mean shoot it keep coming back to privacy and stuff like that and just you know rights to the the data when you're making something like that and you're producing ip um but uh it's phenomenal what ai can do um to sort of enhance the human's abilities to be productive right
2: Sure makes me feel like we're getting towards, uh, idiocracy though.
0: <laughs> well, we'll yeah, know we're I mean, there when they replace all of the, uh, water fountains with, um, what's
1: soda, right? <laughs> right. <laughs> I, I don't know. I, I'm a huge fan of like, I, I'm trying to see the potential, uh, downside of it. Right. Um, but anything that can just kind of speed up. I mean, we, we don't balk at, uh, at, um, um, spell check, grammar check, all that kind of stuff in Word. So I, I kind of see that as sort of the same thing. And then along this same line of uh, of autonomy and uh, auto-completing things, there was an article today about uh, the road to fully autonomous construction, right? Um, you know, whether that's just machines that are out there and you say, hey, I want this road um, at this grade, at this location or whatever, and then the this, the machines just do it. Um, to you know, 3D printing houses and all kinds of crazy stuff. Yeah,
0: I think some of that stuff's really good, right? Uh, especially construction, and it's not not to hit on all the jobs or anything like that, but uh, to some extent, there there are areas where creativity isn't going to dramatically change the end product, right? Um, where I think human intervention is really important for creativity. I think code is a good example of where just because there's a way to finish this and it can be auto completed by an AI that thinks it knows what you're trying to do it, maybe it's not the most elegant way to do it because it wasn't trained to think about that thing you haven't invented yet right there's a lot of risk there if you're trying to make sure that a dam is properly compacted and graded the right way then arguably a machine that can be extremely repeatable is the best way to do something like that where there's maybe even just a lot of restrictions in place but um My fear with stuff like the autocomplete and the developer side is that the, you know, companies that are going to invest in tools like that are going to have an expectation for that improvement in productivity. And they're going to say, well, you should be able to release code this much faster. And we bought you tools to do it. And, you know, every other company will probably have a different way of looking at this. But if the expectation is you're 25% more productive, then they just want to see 25% more code. And if they come back and they're saying, why aren't you producing 25% more code? And their answer is I'm being creative and doing groundbreaking things. Some are going to say, nope, not good enough. Like you're just supposed to do this faster, right? So you, you end up getting like a less awesome product. Maybe it's high quality, but it's not as cool or or groundbreaking and stuff like that. And it starts to look like, uh, other industries that have just, you know, created the stopwatch approach to providing care as an example. And, And that's dangerous. It'd be really
2: interesting what they use that technology for, because I think from a, a classroom perspective, right, that, that could be fantastic. Yeah. Hel- helping sure. our, our younger you know, generation on how to code, which is a very important thing in today's world. Um, I, I think if you look at what um, specifically China is doing from an education perspective, they have coding classes um, now at a very you know, elementary age all the way up. Um, so cool falling behind in the in the United States with that. So if we can use AI to help educate our children, you know, I'm all for
0: that perspective.
1: Yeah, helping them see the right syntax quickly and all that kind of stuff.
0: Yeah, that's one of the biggest
1: issues, jumping between coding languages. Oh, for sure. Gosh,
0: yeah. What was it? Uh, I saw something a little while back now, but it basically said that Go is still the highest demand. But, uh, you know, Python is still the most written language and it uh, it's an interesting position to take you know how do you get more people to adopt the language that's important for whatever time period you're in right Education's probably there problem with that is like like this the headline you brought up specifically they're they're getting funding 25% improvement in developers it's going to demand uh, a high price naturally because of the cost of developers uh, on average right? which means that almost certainly out of the gate, education isn't going to be the primary target, which is uh, a pity, because I think that's a really really good call, David.
1: Could be wrong. What else you got?
0: Man, I got some fun ones. Uh, I didn't realize this, but Hubble, uh, the space telescope turned 30 on Friday. That's cool. And uh, it's still taking amazing pictures. And and that's just neat. It's just a short headline, but what do you guys think about that? 30 years up in space, taking deep space photographs. That's awesome for me.
2: Yeah, I I think it's great. I actually, uh, funny enough, I have the Hubble app on my, uh, my Apple. So I jump in there quite frequently and actually look at some of the images that it's taking. And it, it is really amazing. You know, that technology, you know, I remember, you know, being in my teens, you know, when that was launched and it was, you know, it was so exciting in this deep space exploration and, um, you know, obviously being a, a little bit of a Trekkie myself, uh, you know, I love all things space. So, um, it's it's really cool that that technology has lasted as long as it has. Uh, oh my gosh, yeah. And been upgraded multiple sure.
0: times, right? Yep. Yeah, that's that stuff's fascinating to me. I'm 30 years, 30-year-old 30 technology is is the, you know, kind of the baseline for Hubble and what it's still capable of doing
1: is phenomenal. It's I love
0: that stuff. Yeah
1: putting a, uh, putting a telescope outside of our atmosphere was genius. <laughs> yeah. Right. Absolute genius. Absolutely. So, very good. I didn't realize I, that Lockheed made it. I,
0: I probably Lockheed space systems. I don't, do they make the whole thing or just parts of it? Cause that, uh, that's one says, of those, like in that industry, there's a lot of, uh, sharing of projects, you know, they may have won the major yeah. contract, but you know, a Boeing or an NGC or
1: something would have produced major parts. Well, it says Lockheed made the uh, made the spacecraft, and then Perkin Elmer made the optics.
0: Oh, wow. Okay.
1: So interesting. Yep. I was going to ask if you remember when you were at Lockheed, if there was a like, is there a a, a Hubble um, you know team that <laughs> that still focuses on maintaining it there? I mean, I don't know. No, I didn't
0: know that. No, no, no. And and I I wasn't in the space systems division. I had some friends that ended up there in different parts. Right. But the way Lockheed was set up, they had, that was a major business unit. So they would have played different. There's also a good chance because of the age of that, that the contract gets rebid, you know, basically every time they'll do some stretch and say, who does the maintenance activities for this kind of stuff. And of course, Lockheed probably has a better chance of winning it because of expertise but that's not always the case and that's just not how the defense industry works so i don't know i i was not aware of it but wouldn't surprise me
1: looks like the uh, estimated uh, end of mission will be somewhere between 2030 and 2040 so we still got another 10 to 20 years there but it makes me wonder yeah. what the, the next sooner than i thought that. that's crazy yeah
0: I man i'll have to look into that because i feel like um they there were there have been talks about what that's going to look like For a while now actually and uh it's some pretty interesting stuff obviously some really cool technology more modern um just cleaner images deeper images uh i think a broader range of you know what it can sense that sort of things right based on what we know about deep space yeah but i haven't looked into it in a while speaking of looking into deep space isn't deep space at all but uh i read an article that uh tesla achieved lidar like um capabilities with vision systems in their, uh, you know, I, I would assume you know something related to their autonomous driving um, capabilities, which is really, really cool. Um, it was a neat article, I but just in general. It. Well, uh, I guess I, I'm not sure because um, it didn't get into the details of how they kind of determined LIDAR-like, right? But I think yeah. um, the, the key there is look, LIDAR, LIDAR is incredibly accurate. It's, it's very fast just by the nature of anything that is radar-like or LIDAR-like. Um, it, but it's expensive still, right? Yeah. And it's come down and cost a lot. That's why you can see that those systems in cars, vision systems are incredibly inexpensive, right? And, um, being able to achieve those results is actually really phenomenal. But the other thing, which I really hadn't considered till I started to poke into it was if there were, there were two kind of fun perspectives that I sort of ran into and I've been mulling over. One is humans have proven pretty, pretty well that we can handle some really really advanced driving capabilities with two forward facing cameras and a lot of compute. Right. That's that's a human. <laughs> And, right. and yes. that's a, it's an impressive sample, right? Like the there, there's yeah. an awful lot we can do with a couple of cameras and, and a brain, right? Yeah. So get the brain caught up, make sure you got everything that's going on there. All right. So that kind of sets a baseline for vision systems. But the other one is LIDAR hates and can't really deal with moisture very well. So stuff like fog, stuff like rain, that, that's a, that's a real mess for LIDAR. It can be a mess for vision systems too, except that vision systems can be set up to ignore that stuff a lot easier, which is cool right? So it's got enough information that you can go pixel by pixel and actually take out the garbage. And so uh, I think there's, there's probably a, a better future in vision system stuff than there is in LIDAR technology for autonomous vehicles in general, which is great because it will drive the cost of those systems down and then it just comes back to the compute. So, yeah.
1: Yeah. That's awesome. All right, we're coming up on our time here. Is there anything else we got? Last couple of topics.
0: US yeah, Space Force has its first weapon, quote unquote weapon. What space is that? Space Force. I laugh every time I hear that. No, it's actually a uh, satellite jamming technology, apparently. Uh-huh. It's interesting. <laughs> makes me think of spaceballs.
1: We've been jammed. <laughs> it tastes like strawberries. <laughs> <Like strawberry. laughs> oh, <So> bad. <laughs>
0: Yep. No, that was a short one. Okay. I didn't have a lot of thoughts about it, but just thought it was neat. Yeah, I
1: laugh every time I hear Space Force as well. <laughs> Space I don't Force, know. me too. Me too. Uh, especially because the logo looks so just hard to like take it the, seriously. <laughs> the Star Trek logo. Yeah. Right. <laughs> I mean, I guess, I don't know, whatever. Whatever. <laughs> All right, David. Thanks for joining us, man. Uh, We'd love to have you back on anytime you want to. Uh, yeah, you got anything to plug? Uh, no,
2: just, uh, maybe, maybe our team VXseals.com. Right. (laughs) Okay.
0: Awesome. David, it was, it was awesome having you on this week. Thanks for joining us. It's a great way to kick off the week. Yeah. Thanks guys. Appreciate it.
2: I like how you smell your hat before you put
1: it on. Yeah. Yeah, You can tell that. Well, I had one that, uh, one that smells really bad because I've sweated (laughs) in it a ton and one that smells fine. And this is the one that smells fine. (laughs) Mm Make sure I was putting the right one on my head. It's a good check. <laughs> What's that? I didn't think you would catch that. <laughs> <I was> like, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> What's that? <I'm> so nervous. <laughs> okay, where were we? Uh. <laughs>